What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders. From ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities, CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov slash careers. Blog Talk Radio. Blinky greetings, everyone. It's your Bling to National Diva, Confident Miss Bling. Happy Monday. Oh, my God, this is the beginning of a brand-new month, and this month is National Women's Month, and there's so many women that I know that does so many extraordinary things, and I'm going to showcase them right here on the Bling Radio Show. So I got a lot of stuff clear for you this month, but I'm going to kick you off with this woman is amazing. She is also in media, and I love talking to my sisters in media because, oh, my God, we're we're the entertainers of the world. Yes, we are. So I'm going to put her on the phone right now, Tanisha. Hi, sweetheart. How are you? Hey, I'm great. How are you? I'm fantastic, you know, getting over a little cold, but I'm good. I'm ready to go, girl. Yes, that's both of us. Oh, my God. That is both of us. But you know what? This is our job. This is what we do. Regardless yeah. of what's going on, yeah. we got to make it work. <laughs> Yes. Yes. Can you hear me? Yes. What'd you say? Can you hear me? Okay. Are you fine with my connection? I can hear you. Yes. Okay. Okay, cool. So how are you? Um, same thing. I'm getting over a little cold. I went out of town last week and got sick while I was um in Georgia. I actually got stranded in Georgia because of the snow. It. (laughs) Oh, yeah, wow. Yeah, we had like eight and a half inches of snow here in Alabama, so we shut the city down, and I couldn't get home, so I had to stay in Georgia an extra two days. Yeah. Uh, you know what? Yeah, I've, been, I've, I've been out here in L.A. for the past several months, a few months since October, so, you know. Okay. Yeah, New York City is my home, love it, but every time I go on social media and somebody is tweeting or posting an Instagram photo about frozen fountains and ice storms (laughs) and snow, I'm like, you know, let me just kind of, let me parlay this trip a little longer. Let me just make it last, (laughs) you know. Yes. Make it last. So I'm still here. (laughs) Still here. It's okay, girl. We. Uh, I know, I and I thought I got away from it, kind of, because I remember being younger and the South used to look like it was always warm. But as the years passed, it looked like it's getting worse. And it's it's going to be 20, what, 30 degrees Thursday? Um, and snow, and it's supposed to be 68 tomorrow. Oh, wow. Uh, <coughs> excuse yes. me, it's global warming. Yes. We can we can yeah. take it all to global warming. You know, we humans, we have ravaged our planet. We have no one to blame but ourselves. Exactly. You know, so this is what we have to <laughs> deal with. You know, we've got to take it in stride. You know, it's either yes. it's extreme cold or it's just massive heat. You know, it's, very, it's extreme. Right. That's what global warming does. It just promotes, you know,
know, extreme temperatures, you know, throughout different regions of, of the world. So, you know, got to look forward to 70-degree 70, 70 days, though, in uh, December when they come. I won't complain. Right. Right. You know. Yes. Oh, my God. Yes, girl. I have, first of all, I just want to say congratulations on everything that you've done and and what's to come. Oh, thank you so much, my dear. And back to you. This business is tough. This business is tough, girl. You know it is. Every day you got to, you know, you got to pitch, you got to source, you got to pitch, you have to research, you have to grind. Um, You know, I'm an independent contractor, freelance or whatever, whatever you want to call it, you know, and so um, it's very imperative that I get up every day um, and treat my day like a regular nine-to-five job as if I was clocking in for somebody else, you know, but I'm clocking in for my agenda, which is um, exponentially more important. So it has to be prioritized. Yeah, it has to be prioritized. So I definitely thank you, you know, because... I know you know the deal. Yes. Yes. And and it's good to be able to to talk to someone who can actually relate and sound like a mirror of myself. Like and and like I came in the game with no mentor. Like I went Uh. to school and nobody would tell me anything. I couldn't get an internship at the radio stations or the T V stations. So I created my own lane. There you go. Still today, and this is going on. This is going on. I started Bling Radio. Bling. Yes, yes, honey. I started Bling Radio in college, and it's this year will be the tenth year, but officially eight years on Blog Talk Radio. Wow. Yes. 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 Congratulations, girl. That is fantastic. I had no idea it had been that long. Girl, I did the math the other day. Thank you. <laughs> Thank That's you. amazing. Thank yes. Wow. Like, it's, it's, yeah, a whole lot of interviews, a whole lot I'm of talking. Definitely. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. But I I see that you have done so much. Start with where you started it. How did you – let us tell us all how you – got into media, what made you say, okay, this is what I want to do. I want to, you know, be on TV. I want to, I belong in media. When did that moment happen? You know, I was just always a very precocious little girl. You know what okay. I mean? Uh, my parents created a space for me and my siblings to basically, you know, create and become and imagine um, and I just always imagined myself inside of the television, and I didn't know what that meant. <laughs> I didn't know how I was going to get there, you know, and I right. often tell um, early stories about how I was sit with um, one of my grandmothers, my grandmother Rose, and she would watch all these old movies. And one day she popped in mahogany, and I stopped dead in my tracks. You know, Diana Ross, a brown woman, was you know, on television and with with all her beauty and all her grace and all her elegance. And I was just like, well, mm-hmm. I'm going to be Diana Ross. And my grandmother was like, well, I don't think you can be her because she's already her, you know, but you can be the best Tanisha Laverne Grant that you can be. You know, and so it was those okay. early images of, of um, 
black women who were well-spoken, who were creative, who were driven, who were bold, who had the audacity uh, to be. You know, I think about, like, Diane Carroll. I think about, you know, Grace Jones. Um, Gosh, I mean, there are so many. Diane Carroll, if I didn't already say her name. I mean, there are just so many African-American women um, who are just pretty much have blown the trail out. I mean, I can think of Bea Richards in Mahogany, another black actress, you know, may she rest in peace. But I would see these women... um, and they would inspire me, uh, just the way they, or, you know, the way they walk, the way they carry themselves. I'm like, well, that's how I want to comport myself when I'm a grown woman. You know what right. I mean? So it kind of started there. And then, um, you know, my parents were very instrumental in cultivating my writing skills, you know, because um, forget about how attractive you think you are, how attractive other people think you may be. It's about brains in this house. You know, so gotcha. You know, yeah. It was always about writing. It was always about critical thinking. Uh, there was never any idle time. We were always at some sort of camp, some sort of writers' workshop, some sort of theater workshop, whatever program my parents can get me and my siblings in um, that could uh, be instrumental in making us well-rounded. If it took us out the city, that was even better. You know, so okay. Um, Yeah, so throughout, like, my primary years, you know, my elementary years, you know, I did a lot of writing contests, and I was a Girl Scout, and, you know, I would volunteer, and I was part of a choir, and then by the time I was um, going into high school and graduated high school, um, I was the editor-in-chief of my school newspaper, I was uh, part of the KYW News Studies program, which is a television station in Philadelphia, KYW3. So while I was okay. in 11th and 12th grade, I had very early exposure uh, to the television industry, you know, and living outside of Philadelphia in Chester, Pennsylvania, I had access. You know, my dad made sure that I had access. You know, he was just like, you can be okay. whatever it is that you want to be. You know, so we would be in the city and sometimes, you know, we would run into the news reporters and I'm like, oh, my God, that's what I want to do. And my dad's like, okay, Carl, you can't run over and talk to them because they're working. Um, <laughs> but just the exposure, my parents always made sure um, that we were exposed. <clears throat> okay. Pardon me. And then, um, you know, going off from, from um, you know, matriculating from high school to undergrad, you know, I got the acting bug. Um, and I was just like, wow, you know, okay. what do I want to do? You know, do I, do I want to pursue acting? Do I want to pursue journalism? I was kind of conflicted because, you know, I didn't know that I could do both. I didn't know that I could be all things in media. I didn't know that I can do all things in the creative world um, because oh, most yeah. creative people have more than one um, creative source, more than one creative canon that they can pull from. Right. So, you know, through my undergraduate years, I, you know, I majored in, in journalism. I started out at Edinburgh University of Pennsylvania, and then I transferred okay. to Cheney. Um, and Cheney University of Pennsylvania, the oldest HBCU, I have to say that, founded in 1837, has become my pulse to the world. It was there where yeah. I really got my wings, where I really flexed out, stuck my chest out, and was just like, okay, I'm here, I'm ready to go. I had you know, the nurturing of some of the best professors that have ever walked the earth. I mean, 
Coretta Scott King's sister, Dr. Eda Scott Bagley, was one of my professors. She taught drama. She taught English literature. She taught voice and diction. Um, she taught everything in the theater department that, you know, a young student would definitely need to go out into the world. And so, you know, while I was a student at Cheney, I was, you know, very active socially. Um, I ran for Miss Cheney University of Pennsylvania and won. Um Okay. I ran for Miss Black Pennsylvania USA and won, you know, and so validation started coming. Um, And I'm like, wow, this is really, this is great. Um, And then I decided that I wanted to take some time off from school, actually, and and work in my field. And I went to one of my advisors about doing an internship. And they were like, okay, well, what we can do, you know, We'll sign up. We'll sign up for you to do this internship, and you'll get you know college credit for it. I'm like fantastic. Okay. Um, cool. The internship turned into a full time job, and I ended out. I ended up sitting out from school. I delayed my graduation um, almost about a year and a half because I'm like I'm in a right now moment, and I want this experience right now. And then I I caught a lot of flack. I remember from some of my Cohorts. They were like, well, you need your degree. And I'm like, it's essentially done. Um, I just kind of felt like, where was Cheney going? Um, but this opportunity that I had at NBC10 at the time, I thought was an opportunity of a lifetime, and I seized it. Um, okay. And I was able to be there for about five years. I did go back to school, graduated, walked across the stage, checked that off. But I was able to enter the workforce with five years of television experience in the fourth largest market in media. You know, so then right. I had a swag and I had an arrogance about me. And I'm like, y'all niños are worried about graduating <laughs> on time and you ain't got a job. Like, I'm working. I'm working cookies. You know, so, um, yeah, I was coming from that aspect. And, um, you know, while I was working at Channel 10, I mean, I did everything. We called it grunt work. Um, I ripped scripts. Okay. I was hired as a I was hired as an overnight assignment editor. Um, my hours were midnight to eight, and then I got okay. some kind of a promotion where my hours became four a.m. to twelve noon. And then I was given like another lateral position where I was doing part time desk assistant and then part time production assistant. Um, in every capacity of the newsroom, which meant investigative reporting, pardon me, heart news, fires, funerals, um, papal visits. Um, I'm, I'm dating myself here, but I remember being in the newsroom when the Princess Diana story broke about her death, uh, Tupac, when that story broke. Um, okay. You know, so I got to sit up around and just take in um, the experience of some of the best and some of the brightest journalists, you know, of our time. I mean, I worked with uh, Renee Chanel Fattah. Her husband is Congressman Shaka Fattah. You know, I worked with uh, Arthur Fennell. I worked with Eugene Crane, uh, whose son um, is one of the ex- who whose son was one of the executive producers for Friends. So I was exposed very young. I mean, you know, nineteen. I mean, if we even take it back to my junior high, or to to my high school years, we're actually talking 16 years old was the first time I stepped foot into a newsroom. Wow! You know, so I was there. Yeah, so I was really, really fortunate. And then what I kind of did was, you know, once I was able to really get out into the field, because I started doing multiple internships. Like, 
while I was at Channel 10, I said, you know what, let me go see what's going on over at Fox. You know, and it wasn't too gotcha. far. It was just really, yeah, Fox News, WTXF, uh, Fox in Philadelphia. So I did okay. a part-time internship with Fox. Um, you know, I was a news hound, I was, and I was young, and I was very hungry. You know, and I wanted to okay. leave Philadelphia with as many references as I could. You know, back then, someone had to type up a letter of reference for you, and you put it in your portfolio, and you had to physically hand it over to somebody when you went on your job interviews. I had, like, a stack. I was not playing. Wow. Yeah, okay. and so, um, and so um, the opportunities that I had out in the field, you know, being a little cub reporter and covering the big stories, you know, fatal fires. Like I remember covering a story where there were five uh, to seven children who had perished in a fire, and they were all under nine years old, and you saw, you know, I was a witness to all of the caskets coming out. Oh, and I'm wow. like, ah. Hard news. I don't know if I want to do this for 20 years. I, I don't know if I want this route. You know, I knew okay. that I loved on camera. I knew that I loved the the hotness of the newsroom, um, the pressure. Um, you know, I knew that I loved all that, and I thrive in that type of environment. But I'm like, wow, okay. I don't want to become hard so young, so fast, so soon. You know, okay. and I said, you know what, I'm I'm going to take a break from this. I'm going to regroup, and I'm going to go out to Los Angeles, I'm gonna, and I'm going to pursue acting. So that's what I did. Okay. Um, I jumped on a plane uh, with whatever monies I had left from working at Channel 10. Um, okay. Gave all my stuff away to, you know, various family members and friends. Uh, I was living in South Philadelphia at the time, and I... A friend of mine worked for the airline, and she got me a buddy pass, one-way flight from uh, Philadelphia to LAX. And three okay. weeks of my arrival in L.A., I ended up an extra on a show called Malcolm and Eddie. And, you know, from there, you know, I started grinding really hard to become SAG. Uh, that took about two years, and I was not a happy person during those two years because I'm a type A overachiever. Where is my piece of the pie? So that was taking a little yeah, that was taking a little too long. I was not a friendly person. Um, especially when I saw like all of my girlfriends, they were be- they were they were becoming sag, you know, and so my ego kicked in. Um and that was a great time in my life because, you know, God was just like, Listen, sweetheart, it's on my time. It's not your time. It's yes. on my time. And it's not about comparing yourself to other people, do you understand? You know, you walk right. in your own lane. You know, you keep your eyes on your own prize. You know, and that was one of the yes. greatest lessons that I learned uh, my first go around in New York. And we're talking, I mean, in L.A., and we're talking, you know, the late 90s, early 2000s. Um, and it was a great time to be young, gifted, and black in Hollywood because black Hollywood really existed uh, at that time. I mean, you had um, shows like, you know, Moesha was on and the Parkers were on and For Your Love was on and, um, yeah, you know, Malcolm and Eddie was on. There were so many black shows that were on television at the time, and black directors like Stan Lathan and Ah Scott. And coming from an HBCU, where I was always so accustomed to um, having that direct access to leadership, you know, I had no problem walking up to Stan Lathan and Ah Scott and having them, you know, teach me or you know, or ask them something. 
you know, and that was not the typical protocol, but because of my naivety and because coming from an HBCU where, hey, that's what we do as African Americans. We, we teach and we pass it on. Right. You know, and so I got, yeah, I was really able to get that early experience, you know, working on some of these television shows like Steve Harvey, um, you know, and just sucking up, sucking up the whole, the television language, you know, sleep, you know, matching the shot, reverse the shot, checking the gates, uh, what's the call sheet, mm-hmm. you know, what are the breakdowns, you know, what is, who, who's the stand-in, you know, those sorts of things I was able to learn firsthand, you know, by being an extra. And then finally, you know, March 28, 2001, I got a letter saying that I got all of my SAG vouchers and I was eligible to join the union. Yeah, and so um, that was definitely one of those aha moments in my career. And I'm like, okay, SAG card, done. You know what I mean? Fantastic. (laughs) You know, and I spent, um, you know, the next few years, you know, just really trying to grind it out, um, you know, acting. And I really, like you, I felt like, wow, I have no mentor here. Yeah. Do you know? Um, there were a couple of women who were definitely instrumental in making sure that I got my SAG card or making sure that I was able to keep, you know, some sort of temp assignments. Um you know, I ended up working at Warner Brothers for a while in diversity, which was also great. You okay. know, I got a chance to sit in um, and watch writers and directors and producers pitch their ideas um, to the network and saw that whole process, even from, you know, a caller calling into Warner Brothers and was just like, well, why has my show been preempted by the State of the Union? You know what I mean? And dealing with those kinds of calls. You know, and okay. so, um, you know, I eventually got to a point where I I really became frustrated um, with Hollywood, with L.A., with my ambition. Um, the ambition that I had wasn't really matching up with what I was able to put my hand on tan- tangible. Um, it, it, what, what I wanted wasn't tangible. I couldn't get it. I couldn't grasp it, if that makes sense. You know, and so okay. I'm like, okay what is my next move here? Like, what is my next move? Because I don't want to keep doing extra work. You know, I've done, I felt like I was ready to graduate. It's like I'm ready for a day player role. I'm ready to be a series regular. Um, You know, and then I found myself, I would go on these castings, and it was the whole, well, you know, the complexion, your hair is not this, your complexion is not that. And I'm just like, oh, my God, this is ridiculous. You know, and then I came to New York City, um, you know, and kind of got swept up in working in the restaurant industry while still simultaneously pursuing, um, you know, a career in acting. And life took over, you know, real life took over. The years were passing by, um, and I didn't see a return on my investment. Uh, I didn't see a return on the time that I put in. Um, and I'm like, wow. I'm not really sure if acting is going to happen for me. But I always knew that I had a a dual uh, dream in terms of where I could fit in in television and film and still be happy and still be excited. You know, so um, 
after getting fired probably for the hundredth time from a restaurant job, and we're just talking a couple years ago, to be honest and truthfully. I mean, I would get okay. fired for various reasons. Um, you know, you didn't say goodbye to our customer, you know. And for anybody who, and I, and I, and I hope there are, you know, I hope somebody's listening um, because if you really want to make it in this industry, I do not recommend working in the restaurant industry. I really have to go on record saying that. I know it seems sexy and it's flexible, but it's 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 so tenuous. Um, yes. and people don't care about whether or not you need that job or not. Um, you can get fired for the smallest infraction, and your whole life is turned upside down, and that's no way to live. You know, my recommendation right. is that you get a job. You know, become a school teacher. You'll have your summers off. You know, um, yeah. you'll have a salary, you'll have some sort of health insurance and benefits, but stay the hell away. Stay out of the damn restaurant industry. Trust me. <laughs> you will thank me for it later. Yes. <laughs> you will thank me for it later. <clears throat> yes. You know, That's and so, amazing. yeah, and so um, after, you know, my last restaurant job, where I got, and I was actually laid off, fired. It's all the same for me. I just remember feeling yeah. so uh, hollow. Um, I was in so much pain, like emotionally. I mean, I I sobbed because I'm like, okay, Lord God, what now? You know, I live in New York City. My rent is astronomical. Um, what is going to become of the rest of my life? Like, how am I going to be happy? How am I going to do more than survive? Um, how am I going to have sustainability, um, you know, in this industry? And I swear the Holy Spirit said, you know, well, pick up your microphone. And I'm like, my microphone? Well, where, where is that? Because I ain't got one. Like, where, microphone. Okay. <laughs> and, um, you know, it just kept, you know, it just, this, the message just would not go away, like pick up your mic, pick up your mic, source, write people, let them know that you want to cover their events. And I'm saying to myself, but, Lord, I don't work for anybody. You know, I don't have an outlet. Mm-hmm. I don't work for E. I don't work for Access Hollywood. I don't work for NBC, their entertainment section. So how, like, how am I going to make this happen? And, you know, I pitched myself to Nisha Vern Grant, freelance entertainment reporter, um, and life was interesting because I had a camera guy who was willing to work with me, and I met him at one of the restaurant jobs that I felt fired me wrongfully for what I just called bullying. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yes. Wow. And, That's how it happened. And, yeah, and one of the first jobs that I booked was the NAACP Image Awards, and the owner of TV1 that is now home of the NAACP Image Awards. We know TV1 was founded by Kathy Hughes. I met Kathy right. Hughes at the restaurant that fired me. You know, so wow, um, life is pretty amazing. Life is pretty is. amazing. And I really, you know, it's so imperative that I talk about, you know, getting fired and, and, and what feels like a failure because nobody wants to be fired or let go habitually, and that is what it was feeling like when I was working in the restaurant industry. But God has a way of saying this is not 
where I want you to be. Period. Right. He does. And he he does. He will frustrate it every time. It will not materialize. It just will not materialize for you because you are not meant to be there. Um, yes. And eventually, um, I started submitting some of my work to Interactive Ones, uh, HBCU Connect, um, and BlackInAmerica.com. You know, and okay. so, uh, you know, those outlets have been, you know, a solid avenue for me to credential in. Um, and get the exposure and get, you know, the work done. Um, and I am having the time of my life, you know. Amazing. And uh, that's, I mean, that's that's pretty much my little life story professionally. It's like I, um, you know, I spent a lot of time, I, I essentially spent a decade um, resisting what I enjoy doing what comes to me so naturally, which is so organic and so germane to who I am, which is being in conversation and in dialogue with other people. And it doesn't matter, um, you know, if it's celebrity, if it's a woman walking up the street, I want to tell stories, you know, because that's how we're all right. threaded together. Like we're telling a story right now that could possibly inspire someone or pull someone up, you know, and that's what exactly. I want my life's purpose to be about. I want my life's work uh, to be about that, you know, and yes. in an industry where it's always about, you know, looks. You know, I've had people say to me, well, aren't you a little long in the tooth to want to reinvent your entertainment journalism career? And I'm like, yeah. long in the tooth? Well, damn. Long and intense. Right. Okay. <laughs> wow. Pardon me. People have a nerve. Yeah, but you know what? I'm like, God is good because, you know, I look at my sheroes. I look at Oprah Winfrey, uh, who is 60, um, and, and running things. You know, mm-hmm. uh, her BFF, Gail King, 60-something years old or 60, uh, sitting right now on CBS this morning. Um, Meredith Vieira, you know, 60-something years old, sitting on her own show, the Meredith Vieira show. So that's not where my, um, you know, it's not about my physical appearance, but it's about what I'm able to offer to offer the world, you know, through my brain cells, through my left and right hemisphere, through my occipital lobe, through my synapse and my neurons. That's what it's about, you know. Um, Yes. And so, I mean, that's, that's, that's pretty much it. You know, okay. Um, yeah, I definitely, you know, encourage people to uh, go for their dream, even when it seems bleak and obscure and intangible and far away. And sometimes, you know, no one's rooting for you, and that's okay because yes. it's your dream. And you can never yes. do it for the applause. You can never do it for the Facebook likes or the Instagram likes or the tweets or the mm-hmm. retweets. You have to do it because you love it, you know, because it is what inspires you and it is because what wakes you up every day, what excites you, um, and it's about the journey, you know. It's never about the destination. And you have to challenge yes. yourself, you know. Yes. Every day I'm always challenging myself, you know, because sometimes when you get to a certain point in your success, you know, and Lupita Nyong'o talked about this, 
um, in one of her speeches about, you know, the imposter syndrome, where you're like, oh, my God, am I all that I purport to be? You know what I mean? Am I Mm -hmm. all that they are writing about? You know, you know, so you have to beat that down. You know, you have to really deal with yourself um, and say, you know what, I worked my tail off. I have sacrificed. um, I have put in the time. And, yes, you know, yes, I'm ready. You know, and every day when I'm on Instagram, I'm tagging producers, um, you know, from big networks. I'm like, give me a shot. Just give me one shot because once you do, it's a signed deal. Um, And if you want to work in this industry, you know, especially people who are in my age, I'm Generation X, um, and so the whole idea of social media, uh, you know, we didn't have social media when I was interning at Channel 10. We didn't have social media 10 years ago, really and truthfully. Right. You know, we didn't. But it's viable it's necessary and it isn't going anywhere anywhere and it's you can't undercut how valuable it is um if you are anyone who has an entrepreneurial stream or you work in media you're an actress writer producer it's just you know what it's just vital i don't care what business you're in you need to be on social media um you know i did a little um a little guest spot on TMZ a couple of weeks ago, and I saw. they pushed me, yeah, right on social media. I was on Instagram, wow. and I woke up one morning, and, you know, my phone is in bed right next to me. You know, I hate that I have to report that, but, yeah, my phone is, like, right <laughs> next to me. Uh, and I, I open it, and, I give, you know, of course, I'm, I'm like, okay, what's going on in Twitter world? What's going on, you know, what's, on, what's going on on Facebook? Let me check my emails. And I go to Instagram. You know, when someone's like, hey, well, you know, would you like to come on TMZ? You have some really great content here on your Instagram page. And I was just like, "Wow, absolutely. And it's so funny because I told, like, a friend of mine, and she was just like, well, you know, do you think it's legit? I'm like, God is legit. So, yeah, it's legit. You know what I mean? It's it's legit. It is what it is. I mean, this is the day and age wow. that we live in. If you're expecting yeah. someone to um to call you, if that's if that's the only if that's the only way you think somebody's going to reach out to you um for an opportunity, you're really um you're you're really setting yourself up uh for a little bit of failure there because people are reaching out via Twitter, people are reaching out via right. LinkedIn, via Instagram, they are. via Facebook. Yeah, it's crazy, you know, and so, um, you know, it's really important that you, you make yourself visible or you will be invisible. Um, exactly. I mean, this is 2015. Who knows what's next? I mean, when I think exactly. about, yeah, I, I can't even, I don't even want to imagine what's next. I mean, what is a little person is just going to pop out my phone and start talking? Like, I can't <laughs> even imagine, <laughs> you know, what can oh come down God. the pipeline, you know? Oh my God, that would be crazy. But I wouldn't be surprised. I know, right? I forget forget what you call it, though. Um, It has a a name. Uh, It's a hologram. Oh, I can't even think of it right now. But when it's little feet, like a dog on Jetson, you know what I mean? Yeah. Popping up on the phone. (laughs) 
I bet it happened. I bet it happened. Oh, my God. If it does, I'm going to yeah. pass out when it happens. Like, she said it. Tanisha said it. I know, right? She Listen, said it. I mean, can you, I mean, look at how long you've had your show on. You know, when you think yeah. about what's happened in 10 years, I mean, five years ago, was there Instagram? Not really. No. No. I mean, we're only talking five years ago. Yeah. You know, so... <coughs> I'm sorry, yeah. it's a lot. It's a lot. It is. It it, it is. And um, I was just telling um a girlfriend of mine that it's a new site called Mobley or something. Like, they get the celebrities behind it to, um, you know, get everybody else on board, and then, boom, it's the next new thing. Um, yeah. It was a, yeah, it was another new site. That I saw, I said, you know what? I can't. I, I got Twitter. I got Instagram. I got. I, I can't. It's just too much. But yeah, media, you know, I'm to Instagram. Fun. I've only been on Instagram about a year, if that. Okay. You know, one of my classmates from Cheney kept saying, "Grant, you got to get on Instagram." I'm like, I don't want to get on Instagram. I'm like, <laughs> I just mastered Facebook. You know, and at that time, yeah. I think I still had a BlackBerry and was doing BBM. He was just like, get out of here with that. He was just like, you need to get Instagram. You need to get a smartphone. I'm like, BBM me? He was like, nobody's doing BBM, girl. I'm like, okay. <laughs> you know, so oh I finally, you know, um, you know, got myself on Instagram, you know, and Twitter is an- another thing. It's like. You know, I don't really tweet. I'm not a big Twitter Twitter person, you know, but at the same time, you know, I've gotten myself accustomed to, you know, making sure I do at least a tweet a day. You know, I remember interviewing yeah. Luke Gossett Jr., uh, who won an academy, I believe, in 1983 for Officer and a Gentleman, uh, one of the, okay. you know, pioneers in, you know, the whole acting world. And I was teasing him about tweeting because he was just like, I made my first tweet. And I'm like, yes, like, congratulations, brother, (laughs) you know, um, because you have to stay current. You You do. have to stay current, you know, and I try and keep my parents abreast on what's going on because I don't want, you know, I don't want my parents to be out of the loop, you know. And I tell anybody, you know, you have parents, you have grandparents, teach them. They taught us. You know, they held our right. hand and helped us cross the street and wiped our noses and fed us. Um, it's our obligation. We're obligated to make sure that they're okay uh, living in this digital age. You know, you can't exactly. go anywhere or do anything. You go to the airport. Um, you can't even order anything to eat without having to tap it on a happy without having to tap on a screen. You know, exactly. so um, yeah, keep your people current, man. You know, don't have your, don't have the elders walking around here like they don't know what time it is in life. You know, yes, because a, a yes. day will come. Um, surely, I mean, I still feel like I have to go to my niece and nephew. I'm like, how do I download this app? Every five seconds, there's something new. Every it five is. seconds. <clears throat> you know, I'm like, the world is moving too fast. You it know? is. Yeah, sometimes it you have to take a break, a step back. You know, and I'm really big on that. You know, I have, like, one day, a couple days a week where I'm like, all right, boom. No social media, nothing. You know, call someone. You know, I may post on Facebook, like, look, if you have any friends and they're your real friends, call them up. 
Let them know that you're yeah. thinking about, um, you know, this whole social media interaction only is not the way to go, you know. Right. It's like it's not. Yeah. Go ahead. I'm it's sorry. not. And, no, 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 you're good. And I, and I do that. I I just started doing that. It's so interesting because the whole story of, you know, being released from your job, that happened. You know, I took a, a little break for a year because I was working at Comcast. The worst oh, wow. place that I've ever worked in my life. Yeah, yeah. The worst place that I ever worked in my life. I was always a happy person, but the job was starting to change me, and I didn't like the way that I was feeling when I come home, when I get there. I've never worked in a place where I see everybody is miserable. Not They smile yeah. when they see me come, but because I kept, you know, I kept everybody together. And nobody knew that I did radio. I'm, like, new here, so nobody knew what I'd done. But they would say you have the personality for radio, and it's just funny how people can yeah. see yeah, you who you really are without careful. even telling them. Um, you know, with your dreams. And I, I've definitely yeah. had a very, I've always been very, very careful um, with my dream or even communicating with my next move, like I, you know, I really, I, I'm not the type of person to make announcements and say, oh, this is what I have coming up. Um, what I will post is what I have done. This is what I did today. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I, I very, very seldom am I the type of person, oh, well, you know, next week I'm going to go and I'll be doing this. No, I'm very result-driven. Um, I just want to, you know, I put the result out there. But just even in terms of, you know, having to have a portfolio of revenue coming in because that's the reality. Pardon me. Even when you're working as a freelancer, you know, you do have to work. You know, you do have to have another income stream. That's Mm -hmm. that's reality. You know, and so you have to be very careful. I mean, I went to apply for a job, and they were like, listen, you're some kind of like celebrity entertainment reporter. We Googled you, and we're not comfortable hiring you. You know, so um, you know, it's it, it's 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 a pretty interesting um, terrain to try and navigate. You know, and so you have to be very you have to guard your dream. You know, and sometimes you know with employers, you know, you have to be really honest um, with the person who is hiring you. Like, okay, yes. You know, I do this as well, but I'm also committed, right. you know, because I have to have, I have to generate um, X amount of dollar. You know, this is the United right. States of America. You'd be silly, um, yeah. you know, to not have, like I said, different uh, revenue streams coming in. But there's a way that our industry is viewed, unfortunately, you know, and one photograph with a celebrity and people think you have all the money. <laughs> Exactly. Oh my God. Yeah. Oh, the truth. <clears throat> yeah, I'm like, uh, Oprah had the paper, not me. <laughs> it's yeah. coming, girl. It's coming. Um, you know, it's although coming. I'm trying to get there, you know, it's all about, um, like I said, it's, it's, it's all about the journey. All about yes. the journey. So, yes. uh, just uh just really grateful. Do you know what I mean? Really, really grateful. Yeah. There's nothing there's nothing I would change. 
you know, and I've okay. had to really grapple with that. You know, you have moments where you're like, oh, my God, if I would have done this sooner, um, I would be here. But you also come to a realization, or I came to the realization that, you know, this isn't just about me, you know. Um, yeah. If I would have arrived too soon, you know, maybe it would have been um, a hindrance to somebody else. You know, everything works together for the greater goodness of God's plan, you know, and I really believe that, you know, because one thing uh, that I'm about is having longevity um, and aspiring and wanting and desiring to have longevity longevity in this business, you know, and, and that you exactly. can't rush that. You can't rush that. Yeah. You know, what's the hurry? No way. What's the hurry? You know, learn, pay attention. You know, diamonds come from pressure. You'll come out shining. But sometimes it's a, it's a slow heat, baby. It's a slow heat to the end result. So, <laughs> you know, you have to, yeah. Yeah. You know it is. Definitely. Yes. You gotta, um, yes. you gotta be willing to stay in there. You gotta be willing to stay yeah. in there. Yeah. No. Even even in my times where I did take a break, I still stay active. You know, I would do giveaways and just little stuff that I would do throughout the throughout the time when I wasn't doing radio. They still saw my face. They still knew that I was a part of media. Because um, I, you know, outside of doing. Bl- 